0: A U.S. Labor Department report shows job growth back on track. And I'll talk with Cranes reporters Danny Ecker and John Pletz about the future of the Blackhawks organization and why gains at the Denver airport should worry O'Hare and Midway.
1: Well, Denver got a lot busier. It's benefited from a population boom for a number of years, and so it's definitely had that going already in its favor. But it also gets this sort of huge boost because of COVID. You know, one of the few things... That you could do, you know, uh, particularly early on, was were things outside, and uh, you know, obviously, it plays to Colorado's strengths as, you know, this huge sort of outdoor playground.
0: I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Monday, November eighth. They called, when Trust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash gist. Member FDIC. Okay, it is time for the Reporters' Roundtable, and this week I'm joined by Danny Ecker and John Pletz. So on the list today... John, you've reported on how the Denver airport has seen some big gains during the pandemic and what that could mean for us here in Chicago. And Danny, you've taken a look at the Blackhawks, so let's start there.
2: The the story with the Blackhawks from last week was uh, pretty earth-shattering. Um, when We saw a Jenner and Block' investigative report that uh, was commissioned by the team to go through and detail everything that happened 11 years ago Involving former player that we now know as uh, uh, Kyle Beach and former video coach, Brad Aldrich, who was uh, accused of sexually assaulting Kyle Beach during the 2010 playoffs. And the big revelation last week was that former CEO John McDonough and other team executives found out about this, were told about this, and effectively said we're going to deal with this after the playoffs are over and set it aside for a few weeks until they pursued any sort of you know talking to HR or taking action to deal with these allegations which was a very damning detail here Um, there's there's still a civil lawsuit against the Blackhawks filed by Kyle Beach over this whole situation but you know that was what was what we learned last week and now what what I was writing about this week was that, you know, you have with the Blackhawks now a situation where you have a a team that was very, really a a model of a successful modern pro sports franchise over the past thirteen years, largely thanks to John McDonough, who was implicated in a very very ugly way in this Jenner and Block report, and now you have Danny Wirtz, who is the CEO uh, now and the son of owner Rocky Wirtz. And Jamie Faulkner, who is a business analytics expert who uh, became president of the business side of the team uh, a little less than a year ago, they are now forging this path ahead of how do they manage, navigate, and move out of this crisis, move forward from this crisis, and yet at the same time maintain everything about uh, what made the Blackhawks successful over the past 13 years, which, um, again, had a lot to do with what McDonough created there. So. There's this very difficult needle to thread for the new leadership of the Blackhawks where they have to kind of maintain this culture that allowed them to be so successful and other teams to emulate them while also really drastically changing it to be able to build back trust with fans, with season ticket holders, and especially with corporate partners that are now looking at saying, well, do I really want to be anywhere near this team? Uh, for the foreseeable future on top of all of that they're they've been very bad on the ice for a few years and historically bad to start this season so that doesn't help um but that's the the, the task ahead here for Danny wirtz and Jamie Faulkner who declined to to talk to me for the story uh, I think this is a little fresh and they're dealing with uh, pending litigation um, but you know this is uh it's just a really interesting situation for a team that has just so quickly gone from you know kind of the 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 symbol of, of you know an innovative sports business franchise to trying to figure out the right way forward
0: and i know they wouldn't talk to you but do you have any indication of what that way forward will entail
2: we've already seen a couple important moves uh, last week when they detailed this Jenner and Block report Obviously, the big headline was that uh, that Stan Bowman, who was the general manager at the time in 2010, and still the, the and it was president of hockey operations until last week, uh, has resigned. And There was another one, Al MacIsaac, another executive who's who's left. So that they basically have said no one who was involved in this decision at the time is still now involved with the team. Rocky Wirtz actually wrote a letter to the NHL asking them to remove the video coach Brad Aldridge's name from the Stanley Cup. I mean, they're 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 trying to take some fairly standard steps that you would take to navigate a crisis and to try to tell people that we're we're going to do better and we need to show it and uh, we can't prioritize winning over decency or player safety which is really what was on display here so i I think that this is going to hover over the team for some time and it's going to take you know more steps more public steps uh on behalf of um you know Danny and, and Rocky Wirtz and the team overall and to kind of illustrate and show fans and sponsors and and everyone else that this is a, a team that is changing significantly from maybe the way that things have been run, which again is is sort of a stark thing to say because you would until recently you would say this was the model of how teams should be run. Uh, but but what John McDonough's uh, situation, as shown here, is really the, the, the human cost, the costs that are associated with uh, sort of this win at all, all costs and one goal mentality where everyone is pulling um, in the same direction toward our goal uh, and, and the, the collateral damage is what it is.
0: So, John, let's switch to you. Talk to me a little bit about the Denver Airport, which you've been reporting on. What sort of changes did it see during the pandemic and what might those changes mean for other hubs like, say, here?
1: Well, Denver got a lot busier. It's benefited from a population boom for a number of years, and so it's definitely had that going already in its favor. But it also gets this sort of huge boost because of COVID. You know, the, one of the few things that you could do, you know, uh, particularly early on, was were things outside. And, uh, you know, obviously, that plays to Colorado's strengths as, you know, this huge sort of outdoor playground. And so it had been growing for a while. Uh it really gets a, a a boom from COVID in that, you know, the only travel that's happening is domestic travel and to the extent that there's any domestic travel going on, it's all leisure. And you know, that's um you know, that's that's a win for for Colorado, for Denver. That airport also was in the middle of an expansion and, uh during COVID. And what happened there was um, they they like some other airports decided to really push ahead with their construction. So, you know they're going to have a bunch of new gates coming on uh, online. The first of which have already started, and then you've got more coming in the year. Present matters to Chicago is two of the biggest the two biggest carriers uh, in Denver. Denver are United and Southwest, which are you know United's the biggest. Uh, Carrier at O'Hare and Southwest is the biggest carrier at Midway, and Denver is now, you know, if you look at the spring schedule, going to be Southwest's busiest airport, overtaking Midway. So, you know, they they both are going to be taking additional gates at Denver, and it's a bit of a uh, reality check for uh, for O'Hare. You know, uh, one, it it sort of makes you think about a couple of things. The expansion that's going on at O'Hare, it underscores why that's necessary because if you don't have gates, you can't grow, which is what the city has argued for a long time. You know, they're in the planning process right now of an expansion of the terminals, uh, you know, a rebuild of the terminals at O'Hare that, you know, is is supposed to kick off here, you know, sometime in the next couple of years. And so it's a reminder that, you know, to grow, you got to have gates. But the other thing that it, that it highlights is you know the population here hasn't been growing hmm, right And so yeah, there's, there's kind of two factors, and you know the other thing going on at Denver is it's a less expensive uh, airport to operate than than O'Hare and you' O'Hare's going to get more expensive to operate out of after they complete the terminal rebuild. And It's just the kind of thing that, that you really have to keep in mind. Uh, coming out of a pandemic,
0: so did Denver speed up their timeline for renovation during during COVID?
1: A little bit. They, they took advantage, like several other airports. Uh, Salt Lake uh, was another one, where because of the slowdown, things were so slow, they really just sort of really pushed pushed ahead to to try and uh, and get more of that work done. Renovations or rebuilds or additions. Uh, in Denver's case, it was an addition. Those are really disruptive to an operating airport. If you have fewer people traveling through the airport, and there's, you know, you're you're disrupting fewer people, uh, you, you kind of put the hammer down.
0: Is O'Hare at risk for, say, like a, a revenue dip during our renovation?
1: Uh, I don't think that there's so much it, uh, at risk for a revenue dip. I think it's, you know, it's more a question. You know, it'll be disruptive. Um, they always are. Every there there are projects going on at virtually every major airport in the country, so that's not unique to O'Hare. I think the takeaway is it just tells you as they plan this, you know, they're still in the planning phases of this, they haven't started construction yet, that you really have to, uh, you know, really keep your eye on the costs and, and and trying to keep those in line. That's always a concern for airports, but coming out of COVID, you know, the airlines um, are gonna be dealing with a lot of debt, you know, that, that they took on to get through the crisis. Uh, you've now got fuel prices really climbing again. Plus, you've got a bunch of labor contracts in the offing. And, you know, labor, labor costs aren't going to go down. So those are things you just, you know, they sort of underscore, you know, um, the need to try and keep as much of a handle as you can on those costs because of the environment.
0: And then, of course, there's, there's so much uh, industry speculation on exactly when you know, big cash cows like business travel and international travel kind of return to those levels for airlines. Um, so it seems like there's just a lot coming at airlines and airports from a lot of different directions.
1: And that's also a reminder. You know, the international piece and, and business in particular um, is that those are strengths of, of O'Hare, and that's why you know certainly nobody's counting O'Hare out. You know that they, they will they will they will recover, um, and they will they will benefit more from a. Re- Return to international travel than say a place like Denver, which is almost exclusively domestic.
0: And then the move of Southwest also flying in and out of O'Hare that that was fairly recent. What does that do to that that market share? Given that you know here is Southwest flying out of both of our airports now.
1: They view Chicago as one market. Uh, they view it as you know O'Hare allows them to get a customer base that they previously couldn't get, and they say it's going very well. Actually, they've uh, expanded a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, and they're and they're really happy with that growth. And you know, the, the, that's the other side of O'Hare's expansion. Again, it underscores the need that you know, if you have gates, it helps you grow. And for somebody like Southwest, they try. You know, they were looking to get into O'Hare for ten years, and there just really weren't enough gates. You know, this expansion project, you'll ultimately end up potentially with more gates, more opportunity for expansion, whether that's Southwest or someone else. So again, it's 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 the sort of thing that if you watch what's going on in Denver. It sort of reminds you of why they're trying to grow, um, why, you know, these, these long-term expansions are necessary, but also, you know, some of the risks you have to keep in mind as you do that.
0: Yeah, certainly. All right. Well, let's turn our attention to three stories, not on your beat, but that had your attention over the last week or so. Danny, you start. What you got?
2: I'm going to start by pointing to one of John's stories, which was a very little quirky one, but I just couldn't and it was short, but but great. It's a great little story about Mike Evans, uh, the uh, Grubhub co-founder who is sailing across the Atlantic Ocean uh, on a uh, what sounds to be a pretty cool uh, um, uh, machine vehicle here. I'm going to be following this because of, you know, John putting this on our radar. Um, I'm very interested in hearing what goes in logistically to doing that, you know, sailing. It's like this is... Across the Atlantic Ocean is something that I envision as being a very harrowing adventure. Uh, So I'm hoping everything goes well, first of all, (laughs) for him on that. Uh, But I'll be following along. And then um, another one I was uh, looking at this week, which um, was sort of in the back of my mind, watching the World Series this week, uh, was uh, what the Wall Street Journal wrote about um, uh, on Major League Baseball and the... Off season ahead, which will likely involve some pretty testy negotiations to avoid a lockout next season. Um, the collective bargaining agreement between the uh, owners and players association expires December 1st. Uh, and we saw last year during the, the kind of the heart of the pandemic, how contentious things were between owners and players. Um, players are frustrated with the fact that You know, teams haven't spent as heavily on free agents the last couple of years. They want a floor, a salary floor, basically in baseball and um, trying to give more teams an incentive to try to win each season um, instead of tanking to get draft picks, which we've seen has actually worked quite well. Um, You know, look at the Cubs and the Astros and other examples like that. And on the other uh, other side, you've got owners that want expanded playoffs and, you know, adjustments to the game to include more action and less downtime. And there's just a lot of economic factors in play here. And the the journal actually did a really nice job of kind of breaking all that down and, you know, illustrating the fact that like, we we might not see baseball uh, next spring as we would hope to see it. Um, so that's just going to be something interesting to watch that that was, that was the, the biggest thing on my radar off my beat uh, this week.
0: Yeah, I had that Mike Evans story on my list today, too. I thought that was so interesting. And like, what a I don't know, quirky, creative thing to go and do. And I, yeah, same, I want to just follow every day of that. I need to just track that guy.
1: Well, after he left Grubhub, uh, you know, the company went public and he left. Uh, you know, a couple of months later, he did a cross country bicycle trip. He chronicled it for people so you could kind of follow along, which was really great. I mean, it's just really interesting. You know, so I, I think we're all, you know, um, sort of living vicariously through uh, through through Mike
0: yeah for sure what interesting adventures like either one of those biking across the country sailing across the ocean not too shabby um all right what's on what's on your radar
1: one of the things i've been following uh through you know, i guess throughout the last 18 19 months has been uh you know this uh shortage in the trucking industry and it's you know the just the the whole supply chain disaster that we've been watching this kind of slow motion car crash For the last you know 18 months there was a story um you know a couple of stories this this week was you know one about the the shortage of trucks that are used to haul containers out of the ports and there was also another story about the shortage of of truck drivers and sort of what that means and it's just been i don't know it just struck me as this this uh kind of crazy year and a half long encounter we up close encounter we've had with murphy's law uh the supply chain and just-in-time manufacturing and it reminded me of something that a uh, economics professor a couple of weeks ago i was uh, reporting another story told me the original uh name for what became just-in-time manufacturing was actually fragile manufacturing and covid really reminded us of that so i just as we head into holiday season and they're talking again that you know you've got um likely shortages of uh of things that people are going to want for the holidays and the automakers just reporting that basically every one of them is is being impacted in a really meaningful way uh on the revenue and and profit side by the continued shortage of semiconductors which is not going away anytime soon it's a big story it's not going away and and just kind of continuously interested in the takes on it.
0: Yeah, same here. I think that's so fascinating. And I think it's been interesting to see what retailers have been doing to try to respond to that. You know, Amazon, they had Black Friday deals out in what, early, mid-October? And then Best Buy has this, I can't remember what it's called, but it's kind of like a price club where if you join this, you're going to get access to stuff that other people don't have access to, you, you know, these kind of in-demand items. I think that's interesting to see how retailers are trying to address it. That said, I am very concerned about bad behavior in stores all holiday shopping season. I think like the unruly air passenger thing is going to happen on the ground for sure.
1: Another reason to keep uh, or- ordering things from uh, from your couch or from the safety of your couch, I guess.
0: Right. The safety of your couch. Exactly right. Yeah.
1: The uh, other thing that, that I was watching was, you know, just the continued COVID, um, you know, toll in, in sports are just sort of the most high profile example of it. But, you know, first it's it's Matt Nagy and then Alex Anthopoulos from uh, Atlanta, uh, you know, wasn't there for game six because of COVID protocols. And now we've got Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. It just, it just never ends. I know.
0: know? I know. Indeed. Well, so as I already said, Mike Evans was on my list because I think that's fascinating. Um, another thing that caught my eye was ProPublica has a really interesting interactive map. It's uh, it's the most cancer-causing industrial air pollution areas in the US, and it's terrifying, but it's really well done. They like would got a lot of data. But I was just kind of sucked into this and spent a lot of time on that website kind of looking at, okay, where do I know people here and where have I lived? And it was just very interesting. And then on a much lighter note... Um, the story that uh, Parker Heron wrote in Ad Age about Tropicana's new toothpaste that does not mess with your OJ, because that's that's an age-old problem. But this new one for National Brush Day, which is the day after Halloween, for obvious reasons, to not mess with your OJ, I thought that's a clever thing.
1: Never underestimate the power of innovation.
0: That's right, that's right, <laughs> indeed. All right, well, uh, lots of stories we'll be watching. Thanks so much to both of you for talking it through today.
2: Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Amy, great to be here.
0: Coming up, a former Rivian executive sues ahead of the company's IPO over what was described as toxic bro culture. We'll talk about that and more right after this. Is your student taking the SAT, ACT, or a high school admissions test this year? Academic Approach wants to help them get prepared. Academic Approach's time-tested tutoring programs ensure students grow their academic skills, improving their performance on standardized tests. The work together begins with a consultation with an Academic Approach director who will meet with you and your student to discuss their unique needs. Then Academic Approach creates an effective, fully customized study plan that targets their goals and matches them with a tutor who will be by their side guiding them through instruction and practice throughout their tutoring journey. Get in touch today to learn how Academic Approach can help your student transform into a confident, successful test taker. Learn more at academicapproach.com/dailygist.
1: I'm Crane's reporter AD Quig and you're listening to Crane's Daily Gist with Amy Goose.
0: A Labor Department report showed on Friday that non-farm payrolls increased 531,000 last month after large upward revisions to the two prior months. The unemployment rate fell to 4.6% while the labor force participation rate stayed flat. The median estimate in a Bloomberg survey of economists called for a 450,000 payrolls gain and for the jobless rate to fall to 4.7%. The dollar held on to gains after the data while the yield on the 10-year Treasury note fluctuated. U.S. stock index futures rose. Payroll gains last month were led by a 164,000 increase in leisure and hospitality. Professional and business services, transportation and warehousing, and manufacturing also posted significant increases, while government payrolls fell. Healthcare payrolls climbed in October by the most this year, led by home health care and nursing. Average hourly earnings rose 4.9 percent in October from a year ago, which is the most since February. However, October's gain leaves payrolls 4.2 million below their prepaid pandemic levels. The Innovation Division of the U.S. Department of Defense is opening an office in Chicago as it looks to tap into the region's tech and venture capital sectors. The unit, originally launched in 2015, announced on Thursday that it will open the local office in 2022. The agency's Chicago office will aim to do more work with more Midwest-based startups. The Chicago office will be the agency's fifth in the U.S., with offices also in Mountain View, California, Boston, Austin, and Washington, D.C. Chicago developer Thomas Rozak and partners are preparing to break ground on a 27-story apartment tower at 160 North Elizabeth after securing construction financing for the project. And it's one of several apartment developments in the West Loop neighborhood. Rosack told Cranes reporter Albie Galoon that the venture got a construction loan for its 375-unit project at Elizabeth and Randolph from Little Rock-based bank OZK and said the group is financing the rest of the cost with its own equity and equity investment from Los Angeles-based Ayers- management. The two other large apartment developments underway along Randolph include 900 Randolph, a 300-unit tower at Peoria Street, and a 236-unit tower at Aberdeen. Several others are in the works, awaiting approval from the city. A former Rivian automotive executive has sued the electric truck maker ahead of its IPO claiming she was fired last month after complaining about gender discrimination and what was described as the company's toxic bro culture. Laura Schwab, who was vice president of sales and marketing, said she was abruptly fired after she complained about a textbook pattern of gender bias and discrimination from a top executive. That according to a copy of the lawsuit. Her attorneys said the suit was filed Thursday in a California superior court in Orange County. According to the lawsuit, Schwab alleges that Rivian violated the state's labor code, damaged her reputation and caused emotional pain. Schwab's attorneys said they also filed a statement of claims with the American Arbitration Association on Thursday. A representative for Rivian declined to comment, citing a quiet period prior to the company's IPO. And that's Cranes Daily just for now. Check in on our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to both of my guests, Cranes reporters Danny Ecker and John Pletz. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your audio on demand. And remember to rate and review Crane's Daily Gist because that's the best way for others to discover our episodes. You'll also find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and on LinkedIn. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Guth. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.